0: Okay. Missing blanks. Lee. She thinks she's got the last two. Hold on. Let me get it out. Let me get it out. Let me get it out. Okay. Got it out. Oh, the Lord, ra- the Lord reigns. Let all the earth be silent. The Lord reigns. Let all the earth be silent. He does live and he has breath. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Deb. For c for the violence against the land, animals, and man. That's that sort of repeated refrain. Um, God, Which even gets down, like, in its right context, without becoming, like, like, Greenpeace, God absolutely cares about the right treatment of the land and animals and all of it. In it's right priority grid. But here, it's not just the bloodshed against man, but the treatment of the animals, the treatment of the land, like... All these things do in their proper perspective matter. I, I, this is a text that testifies to that. Babylon has been careless, more than careless. They've been, they've been uh, stripping, revealing the nakedness of the land, animals, beasts, people. They, they've been dishonoring and shaming them, and God's not happy about it. Any other blanks? 4A, woe to him who degradates others. You can put shames others, debases others, but I degradates. Had degradates. 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 That's what it was. That's what it was. I'm going to hear about this at lunch from my mother. All right. Especially the day I corrected Matthew's grammar. I'm going to hear about it today. <laughs> you don't need to laugh that hard, Matthew. Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. And then you also wanted five. The idolatrous will be powerless. And that, that really is the contrast. Is there is no power, there is no breath. There, there's nothing. It's it's just overlaid with gold. It has painted ears, but it doesn't hear. It has painted eyes, but it doesn't see. And in contrast, the Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Um, what? Five A. Idols are worthless because they deceive. Okay. Thank you. They th- what they do is the way they work with human hearts. I mean, they 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 invite us to trust in them that they will deliver us, they will be enough for us, that they will satisfy us, that they will make us happy. They don't. And but that's what's particularly dangerous about them is they they in a, sense, in a sense promise. It's all taking place in our heart. The idol's not doing it, but in the in the poetic speech. Mm-hmm idols deceive why because they're the types of things that entice our hearts to trust in them um, or to value them in ways we shouldn't okay don 4d 4d there's no d for i'm sorry oh there is a d
1: (laughs) 2d there
0: we go 2d condemn you your own fortifications will condemn you
1: Ask a question or comment yeah. on, on that thing. Yeah. Um, when I was reading that, it, my mind kind of went back to, to, to Jericho. Mm. Uh, that their fortifications would crush them or would destroy them. Uh, as as uh, in Jericho, the walls, when the walls fell. I'm sure it just killed a lot of.
0: Were people living in those walls? Right. And that's how big those walls are. Remember, Rahab lived in the section of the wall.
1: So, the, so that their defense. Yep. Their destruction.
0: yeah their yeah mm. absolutely absolutely okay questions thoughts complaints haiku Hit it oh deb deb
2: oh cool thanks um just uh as you was saying I was thinking when i when I read that how the how Babylon actually fell is they dammed up the river and they came in in the cisterns underneath, circumventing the entire fortifications and then killed everyone. Yeah. And it's like, your fortifications will stand as a mockery to you. Like, they yeah. actually, they didn't serve you any good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, historically... The, the Persians,
2: Persians. Persians. Medes and Persians. Yeah.
0: That was... Dari- or was it Darius? Darius. It was Darius. Basically, Babylon's, and Babylon's and got Persians. this river running through it and they had portcullis going down but not all the way to the bottom. So when they dammed up the river they were able to sneak underneath the portcullis. Yeah. And in the middle... And, and what's funny about Babylon's fall is it was such a quick non-event because there wasn't war. Balthazar Belteshazz, was so despised by his people. This is all historical, extra-biblical information, but people weren't sad when he was gone. Let's put it that way. So instead of this massive... I mean, and that's, again, part of the shame of Babylon. This mighty nation went over like, boop. I mean, and in one night, boom. And then... and. The next regime steps in and and takes over. Um, So it really is how powerful Babylon is. Yeah, one evening. No battle. You're gone. It's a non-event.
3: Serena. I thought it was interesting how you were talking about the glory and all that because I believe Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild Babylon, didn't he? Yeah. So it's like they got a thing about glory over there, at least in Babylon. Glorious. (laughs)
0: Glorious, <laughs> yeah. No, it's
2: it's
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, but ultimately, this passage would contrast. There are two types of people those proud of heart, not upright, and those with humble faith. Like, so it's 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 not like there's the middle, there's normal folk, and then there's um, then there's the really bad people, so um. By the way, if anyone got a better explanation for Nimrod being a pejorative term than what I came up with, I don't know that I'm certain about that, but I think that's got to be it. That's what always
3: okay. Since you brought Nimrod up, thank you for bringing that whole thing up. I just love that passage, Genesis ten nine, And so I'd go around the house once in a while saying it because um, I'm weird. I'll Nimrod read Genesis do? He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Min- Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. So, at work one day, someone called me a Nimrod. And I said, Oh, thank you. He said, Well, that wasn't a compliment. I said, Oh, no, it is a compliment. Because in the Bible, it says, As was Nimrod, the mighty yeah. hunter before the Lord. I said, People went around saying that. So, that's quite a compliment. She said, Okay, you're a nerd, not a yeah, <laughs> Nimrod. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. I wasn't gonna do this, but now I'm going to. I've never had I've never taken issue with anything you've said with, from the pulpit except that Looney Tunes or Bugs Bunny was a child's cartoon. I think they were intended for general audience originally. I I yield. <laughs>
0: Revoco. Shall be stricken from the record. I repent.
4: Have you ever seen Space Jam? No. Space Jam is about Michael Jordan going on to play uh, baseball, m- basketball, and um, he needs Looney Tunes. Okay. And Bugs Bunny says, what's up, Doc? Very good. And then, remember, but you coded in the Burris and said, line. Nimrod? Nimrod, yes. Yeah. Cool. And he kept on saying that. And I was, like, thinking of Space Jam, that uh-huh. movie. It's like, I was thinking of Space Jam as you were saying that. Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. Serena. Oh, no, no, microphone.
3: I found an article that says that actually it started back in the 16th century, went obsolete, and then by the 1800s, people started to use it as an ironic sense of a hunter who was young and inexperienced, and it has examples. And then they also say that it's... uh, you you asked you asked i said up front my guess i think i it said but, there, but the first four articles when you google it say that it was bugs bunny but then this article says actually it's not, it's daffy duck that says it and he's like all of us remember saying bugs bunny but no one has been en- able to identify which cartoon so it's like the nelson <laughs> or the mandela effect or something oh, yeah <laughs> and it says uh... anyway so but it said it cemented it in the and popularized that yeah, way of saying it so Okay. There you go. Well, there
4: you go. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point about the Nimrod because I'm reading a book by Charlotte Bronte right now, and she always uses these obscure biblical references that I'm even like, Oh, I need to look that up. I don't know that. Or she'll be like, um, you know, like Jonah's shoot that sprouted from the ground. This happened. Or you know, she'll just say these things like or the rock that gushed forth water and yeah. so it's just kind of fun.
0: We've had to, part of the part of the dumbing down of the church or maybe put it less. No, no, the church. We've had to change the lines in hymns that people aren't tracking with. Who who on earth understands here I raised my Ebenezer? Any clue? Well, Zeb Zeb, you know what Ebenezer? Yes. Okay. A
3: Christmas
0: story? <laughs> he, no, it's Ebenezer is the Hebrew, Ebenezer, Stone of Help, Stone of Remembrance. So when they crossed the Jordan, they set up a memorial pillar in an Ebenezer. And that was in a hymn, because people used to know that. Or, the song, one of my favorite songs, I uh, Ask the Lord, um, we changed the lyrics. Daniel swapped them back. He's, he's all about smashing the gourds which is a reference to Jonah. Jonah. But people don't understand, so they had to change it. So, so yeah. Yes, it is better to educate people. This um, gourds. Yeah, this gourds. Smashed my gourds. I asked the Lord that I might grow. Right. Um, I think the new line is, like, humbled my heart and laid me low. Smashed all my gourds.
1: Blasted,
0: blasted my gourds. Blasted my gourds. He blasted my gourds. And so when, um, when John, New- John Newton wrote that, people tracked it and understood the reference, and they apparently changed it because along the way enough people said, What gourds are you talking about? And so instead of teaching the people, they just changed the lyrics. So, yeah. Gourds? Uh, what do they call it? A plant?
4: Okay.
0: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is, I mean, as, much as, as much as I'm a fan, I, I really am a fan of the proliferation of Bible translations. One of the advantages of having one translation is everyone's got the same phrase. Everyone's got, if you want to be able to just sort of reference the Bible with just two or three words, it helps when we're all using the same translation. Because um, I don't have gourds, I have plant. <laughs> we're fine right right exactly so one of the nice things about one of the positive things about when everyone used the king james is then everyone could just with a vert word or two grab king james translation and people could track with them so okay okay lee liz sorry carpenter <laughs> c- carpenter wife and mother whose name starts with l i got confused yes
3: uh, so I had a question about um, 2D, your own fortifications will condemn you. Yeah. Um, it just kind of, I guess a lot of it is just the culture of you need to have some sort of 401k, mm-hmm. you need to have some sort of retirement mm-hmm. and money set aside. Mm-hmm. Where is the line of, no, I'm just going to trust in the Lord, and, but also not be foolish yeah. to... No, I need to start saving now, putting money away now so that we'll be safe. You know, there's where it's just so hard to to understand sometimes because I'm like there is security, you know, being financially secure. But then there's also like, okay, no, you need to trust in the Lord that he will provide. Yeah. But then it's like, are you just waiting around and then you have nothing and just hoping the Lord will...
0: So let me work backwards. Let me work backwards from that. First, the passage is specific. It's not just trying to be secure. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from harm. So certainly in the first instance, if you're willing to lie, cheat, and steal to provide savings and securities, that's wrong. If you're cheating on your income tax... And lying there so that you've got more money to, if you're willing to cheat people and rob people and, and do evil to gain your securities, we, right off the bat, like, that, that's not right. Now, beyond that, um, I don't have a law for you. It's possible, and this is a gray area where you've got to deal with the motives of the heart. People can heap up for themselves sec- securities and savings in a way that's not healthy. They're trusting in them. They're relying on them. They, they are fearful when they don't have them, um, and yet there are plenty of Proverbs that talk about what do you, what do, you do when God's giving you more than you need? What do you do with the excess? Um, I'd say another mark would be when you're unwilling to meet people's current needs, and I, I'm going to limit this, um, to flesh and blood people you see and know. Not that, not that the people you don't know, the people who are starving children in Africa, not that we have no responsibility, but I think the people in the Bible that we have the most responsibility for, i thinking of James. Your brother or sister comes to you poorly clothed, naked, they're hungry. They please help. If you're like, well, this is my kid's college fund, so no, then, then I think there might be a real problem. Like seriously, here's a flesh and blood person in front of you, especially if they're a brother or sister, they're known to you, and you're not willing to help them, even though you could help them, because I need to keep my savings. I'd suggest at that point, you might be trusting in your savings too much. Um, th- this is ti- yeah, Titus. Um, so I, I puts concentric circles on. If if you're not doing that, if you are helping and giving to the needs around you, then I think you're probably going to be doing okay. I think I think the more subtle shift of when does wisdom and prudence end, and dependence and coveting and trusting begin probably when you stop doing good things you should do, or when you become fearful and anxious without them. You know, so like inflation is going to do a lot to people's savings. Okay, how much does that shake you up? How upset are you? How how shaken to the... Not that you should be happy about it, but like are you undone or do you have another hope? And this is, this is prudent and wise. So I, I I'd say those are the evidences when we've put our trust in possessions. But Titus... Gives us this category. Let me get there to Titus. Um, Yeah. Um, Where is it? Urgent need. Um, Yeah, there. Okay, 14. 314. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. So there's what I would call exigent, urgent cases um, where, you know, it's great to have savings in different accounts, but, you know, especially, and again, concentric circles, where the Bible would say your own household first. And, and this makes sense with your own household. If, if you need the funds to pay for, for a, a life-saving surgery for one of your children, you're going to hit their savings account if you need to. You're not going to say, well, that's their college fund, so they can die. You're, you're going to do that. Okay. <laughs> so, no, right? I mean, no. Um, so then your family... Your church family, we start moving further out, I think you have less direct responsibility and obligation. So I, I, what I mean is I wouldn't rebuke somebody and say, no, you must answer the advertisement to raise money for starving children in Africa. I think it's a good thing you can do. I might even commend it to you, but I can't say you must do it. Um, Paul will say, look, if you don't take care of your own household, and I think in that passage, with the clear implication, you could and you don't. You're worse than an unbeliever it's like that's not a and so i'd say within our own body the people that we've 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 acknowledged as part of this body which is what james says in view and someone's someone's absolutely undone financially i mean and again the biblical levels of of help and, and poverty are with food and clothing will be content i mean so, so it's not we have poor people who are by no means biblically poor they're just relatively poor um, but when you're really dealing with sustenance level, I don't have food, I don't have clothing, I don't have a place to lay my head. Like, okay, fair enough. Like, that's legitimate, real sort of poverty. And there are people like that within our body. We, we, need, to, we need to care for them. We need to reach out to them. And that's, anyway, so that's, that's some basic principles. Here, what's being condemned are, and, and, and think of it all ties together with the idolatry. I'm putting my trust, Babylon's putting their trust in their might and their power. And so they're using their might and their power to steal, brutalize, trick, rob people. And they're doing it so that they might be secure and safe from harm. And why else do you build a big portcullis down a river? See, I'm doing all, taking all these measures to keep myself safe. And they're taking all these measures to get a reputation and renown. And they're taking all these measures to store things up. And they're taking all these measures that they might um, not only give glory to themselves but shame to others. And it's all going to be brought back on their heads. So in this context, it's really the person who's stealing, cheating, lying, doing evil to provide for themselves. And, that, of course, that really evidences the problem there.
4: Um. I do have a question for you. You know that verse that says you hold your neighbor close and you A person who's evil, that one?
0: Yes. Yes?
4: The evil, you hold the evil person closer to you.
0: What's the question, then?
4: Is it similar to that?
0: Is it similar to keep your friends close and your enemies closer? Yes. I don't, let's talk afterwards, I'm not seeing the connection, but... Um, Lee, you have a, Lee has a question. I'll talk to you afterwards. I'm not I'm not seeing the connection. Maybe there is one, but um, we can talk afterwards. Lee,
2: well, kind of piggybacking off what you were saying is, and I think it to keep a healthy uh, view of retirement and the future is to make sure that you're doing what's necessary now, and like like you say, looking around to see what you can do to help, giving, continuing to give, and then. Planning for the future so right. that you, you're never going to be saying, "Oh, well, I can't give you fifty bucks to help you out because I have to put that in my retirement account." Right, right. That would be super foolish and selfish. So, and, and just and, priorities.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of room for liberty and freedom, and so like no, it, it, it gets tricky because let's go to Second Corinthians eight. Let's we can take this thread. Second Corinthians eight. Um, it's it's really interesting. Paul will never shame people into giving. He won't do it. He he really... And he tells us why he won't do it. Because it's, it makes it worthless. God loves a cheerful giver. And so what he actually argues is, he says things like, I'm, I really want you to give for your benefit, for the good it's going to accrue to you, for, for the blessing it's going to give you. Um, and so... That, no, he won't. He won't come at it the other way. And so, a couple principles in giving here. In, in so, to give a larger context, Paul's getting ready to come through. He came through on his way out, and these people pledged a certain amount of money to help. I think this is for the Jewish, the Jerusalem famine. I could be wrong. I think it's Jerusalem famine. And he's getting ready to come back. And. He's hoping they'll keep their commitments. And he knows some of them, their financial situation has changed. They won't be able to keep their commitments. And so he's going to say, look, that's cool. But let's, let's just read through this. So we've got some principles here. Verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. So, so he combined... Abundance of joy and extreme poverty, and what you get is overflowing generosity, not necessarily what you'd expect, Um, on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times have you had to ask a fundraiser to let you give funds? No, no, please, let me, let me give this fund. What is this implying? It's implying something like Paul himself saying, no, guys, that's enough. Otherwise, in what context are they begging Paul to give more? Presumably, Paul is saying, guys, guys, you're poor, that's enough. And they're like, I think we could squeeze another dollar out. And, and Paul calls that not foolishness, but the grace of God. Verse 1, we want you to know, brothers, what the grace of God that's been given in Macedonia. So first off, financial planning and wisdom principles around that are great. It can't become law. Whatever this is, is a grace. It's not folly. Um, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the way for the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. So Titus is bringing 2 Corinthians to them, and Titus is there to drum it up and and gather some of the support that they had promised. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see to it that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command. He won't, like I said, he will not command giving. Not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So a year ago, they started some giving, and they wanted to give, and they made some commitments. So now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. So then verse 12, he's going to speak to the people who wanted to give and their financial situation has changed. To use the expression, their ships have not come in. You know, um, their investments have not brought return yet or it was a bad year for the crops or whatever. So if the readiness is there, it's acceptable. According to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So if you were ready to give 15 denarius, but you don't have 15 denarius now. God's honored by that. You know, you're okay. But now, then he flips to the other side. But what if there are people who see that some of these people had promised to give some money. They thought their financial situation was one thing. And then the year that's taken place, their financial situation has changed. Maybe we, even though we still have the money we thought we'd have, should hold back. Because maybe next year will be like that for us. You get what I'm saying? So you see the Joneses promised, let's use our vernacular, the Joneses promised $500 towards the relief of the saints. And the Joneses um, have lost their job, and they're barely getting by. Well, we promised 500 too, and I still have my job, but maybe it would be a better idea to save some in case I end up like the Joneses. He's going to address that now. 13, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, But as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. Now, I am not suggesting that this passage becomes the be-all and end-all of savings, but what it does suggest is this. If God has given you more today than you need, perhaps it's not for your future need, but it's for someone's present need. And perhaps the Lord intends your future needs to be met by someone's future abundance. This text at the very least suggests that as a viable option. So when Paul is talking to people, considering maybe, maybe we should also be cautious, not give the money we pledge, because maybe we'll have a need in the future, Paul says, look, you're, I'll read it to you again. Verse 14, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need. And that's a little messy because I have to trust other people, and I'd rather not trust other people. So how's about my present abundance is for my future need, and your present abundance is for your future need, and none of us need to interact, and we can all trust in ourselves and be okay. So, so that's the other piece to fit in. Now, sir, that doesn't negate the fact that frequently I have more than I need, and I'm not aware of urgent needs. So we save, put it in the bank, put things aside. I hope that whatever saving schemes I have, whatever whatever plans I have. Would not become Corbin. Remember the remember the Pharisees. Corbin. Sorry, Mom. I know I'm know I'm honor bound to care for you, but I, this is a ministry house. We promised it to the Lord. It's a ministry pool that the missionaries use it when they come to visit. When well, we use it too, but we, it's for them really. And so yeah, we can't let you stay here because it's a ministry house. Promise it to the Lord. You know. Yeah, that, that's nonsense. Anyway, and Jesus has no time for that. So. Hopefully, our savings and our plans wouldn't be Corbin such that if there were a real urgent need. One, one of the most beautiful things I've seen is a friend of mine, young believer, uh, at a church in New Hampshire, hit dipped into his 401K. And you know you pay all sorts of penalties and stuff to, to help uh, a young woman make bail, who is uh, the, the short version. She was charged with negligence. Her daughter died the state wasn't sure if her boyfriend did it or if her ex-husband did it and she wanted to get out to earn money for her legal defense they claimed they were charging her with negligence because they thought the boyfriend did it i don't know even how it panned out i know that she had just gotten saved from their church like a week or two ago and um and his mentality is really simple i would absolutely dip into my 401k to get myself out of jail do unto others as she does them do unto you i'm not saying it's a law but he did it, and I know of people that, like, rebuked him and said he was being foolish. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was lovely. Um, I, I thought it smelled like Jesus. It's, it, was, it encouraged me. And I'm not saying you have to do the same thing. I'm saying please don't rebuke the people that do. Because <laughs> um, it's rationale it was just like a child. It was, it was a new believer. I have no – I'm supposed to love my neighbors myself. There's no doubt in my mind I would get myself out of jail. <laughs> okay. Like yeah, done.
1: I uh, don't know, remember which one of the we- Wesley's uh, brothers that said it, but um, had a pithy saying: uh, "Earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, and give as much as you can."
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. Whichever one of the Wesleys that was works for me. Okay, Deb.
3: As we were reading this, I was struck by something that maybe you could shed some light on. In the family, sometimes there's a crisis because they have wants, not needs. Yeah, yeah.
0: At least in your mind. Yeah. And then that's the family
3: situation, and you have to pray and make your own decisions. But Paul and frequently in the epistles he's talking about giving to the church and then the church knows almost like our mercy fund is yeah. that what it's like
0: yeah yeah paul well, first in off, other
3: words for wisdom
0: yeah yeah let me let me address part of what you're getting there what's tough with a lot of people is this and i make this clear to people like when people will sometimes stop by um strangers will show up and they will have a sad story which I'm not suggesting isn't true. I just don't know if it's true, and they want help. I'll, I'll fill anyone's gas tank and buy anyone a pizza at the gas station. Like, I'm willing to be defrauded that far. Like, sure, I'm not going to you know, verify anything. Here's just note to you guys. If you're ever out of you, – you'll get a free tank of gas and a pizza if you come by with a sad story. But beyond that – no, but beyond that, beyond that, I'm going to need to get to know you, and, and I'm going to need to see the goodness and the earnestness of your need. I, and, and that's going to require you to open up some. What you don't get to do is tell me you have a need that I can't examine, but now I'm obligated to help. Um, and and so like a friend of mine at their church, they had a a, a widow. Uh, no, it was a divorced woman. And she couldn't make her rent and she wanted the church to help the rent and she met with some of leadership and like, you know, you don't really need to be in this house or maybe you could have a young couple move in and she wasn't open to any of those ideas. What she just wanted was the money to make the mortgage. And it's like, the wisdom we have what seems good to us is this so if you're insistent on this we're sorry you know um and, and so there's there's got to be some willingness to be transparent there's a family a while back we we helped for a bit and there was an opening counting make sure you're not wasting the money like we'll, we'll work with you and we will meet we will close the gaps um but you can't be wasting and, and that was a valid concern with with this particular family was of wastefulness and, and things <laughs> And so some people are so private they refuse that. Okay, then we can't we can't really help you in any extensive stent. You know what I mean? Um so so uh yeah. Whereas conversely, a willingness to say, sure, come on in, look at look at things over, look at things, um, is, is very encouraging. You know, help me to see what you're seeing, help me to agree with you, get me to amen what you're saying, and then yeah, I'll I'll participate and help with this. Um, but because of people's refusal for uh for uh Any sort of scrutiny or accountability is difficult, I mean, which is why I think we organize ourselves to everyone take care of themselves, well, except when you can't and except when biblically you're not supposed to, when we're supposed to help each other. So I I think the Bible assumes much greater transparency, much greater openness, and much greater interaction between people, whereas our culture is really geared towards privacy, self-reliance, self-determination, and that's none of your business. So, no, you're right. Where people, where people are unwilling to actually discuss and open up, you don't have any obligation. Do what you want to do, but you have no obligation. If somebody says, look, we need 50 bucks, and you're like, well, can you explain that to me? None of your business. I need 50 bucks. Like you said, it's none of my business. No, no right? Um, so, no, I, I think that, I think that pe- people have to be willing to to be open to each other so i had one guy come by two or three times like look man you're you're gonna have to let us get to know you and figure out what you're going on so we can agree on what's good and and we will if we do we'll help but if you're yeah real help yeah yeah no real help but you got to open your like you got to be willing to let us get to know you and us get to know us you know um and most of the time my experience most people aren't terribly interested in that um don
1: uh as a pastor who quoted somebody else, that, that from Philippians 4:19, the God does supply promised to supply all of our needs, not all of our greeds. <laughs> all, even though He does, he, even though God, I can speak personally. God has supplied some of my needs. He's never promised to.
0: Right, right, right. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's challenging. It's tough. Five minutes. Whether patrice did you have your hand up I did not. she did not I'll, we'll talk after oh afterwards timothy's got a question that he hasn't asked one yet five minutes we'll chat
2: uh i was just gonna kind of like you would this whole passage has kind of got this this uh mocking the yeah. the haha sort of tone yeah. right and i mean I guess just talk about that a little bit. You know, yeah. not sitting on the seat of mockers and, yeah, yeah. and that type of stuff. I mean, it, obviously, you know, when God is angry, it's not sinful anger. Yeah, yeah. When God's mocking, it's not sinful mocking. I, I, but I'm just kind of curious because mockery is such a such a thing now. There's almost nothing yeah. sacred. And, yeah. and just maybe talk a little no, no, about that. that
0: great, great question. This passage isn't as difficult as the one in Judges. Deborah's song in Judges is way harder because here. We're not told the righteous will take up this taunt. We're not told God's people will take up this taunt. The people who've been wronged by Babylon will take up this taunt. The nations that they have spoiled will take up this taunt. And so it could just be as simple as, I want you to know, Babylon will be publicly shamed such that the weakest of peoples that they gobbled up will turn around and feel completely secure singing this jabbing taunt. It's not to say we ought to delight in it. It's not to say that the righteous should take part in this However, Deborah's song that she writes is way harder. Go read. Go read that in Judges. No, that's one of the hardest. The hardest things. I, I don't have a terribly good answer. You, you hit on a real question, which is, what do we what do we do with? Um, are there righteous taunts? Uh, I think. I think Elijah mocking the prophets of Baal. Well, they're taunting Baal, Baal, right? Yeah. I mean, you get. He's a god. Maybe he's asleep. You need to wake him up. Maybe he went on a journey. And maybe he's relieving himself. <laughs> you know, th- that's mockery. Um, Jesus, not as strong, but Jesus carried that fox, um, and and God mocks idols. There is certainly mockery, and it's it's very very. We we have to be very very careful because of the potential for wicked mockery. But yeah, I, I can't say. Mockery is always and everywhere a bad thing. There's, there's some, the, Daniel's gone through judges. So I'll, I'll, you should go ask him about Deborah's. No, if you go read Deborah's song, Deborah is taking joy, delight, pleasure, celebrating the fact that Sisera's mother thinks he's delayed because Sisera's raping women. And Sisera's delayed because he's dead. And she's finding something to celebrate, something good in that, that confusion. And I don't know what to necessarily make of that. But go read go read it in Judges. It's very specific. They're going to think they're late. Oh, why are they late? Oh, no, they're just... They're just despoiling. Despoiling. <laughs> and how delicious it is that a woman kills him. Um, there's, a whole, there's a whole Hebrew euphemism going on. The euphemism in Hebrew is that they opened their feet would be to sleep with someone. He falls between her feet. He doesn't pierce. He's pierced between her feet. Oh, there's a whole lot of double entendre going on there. Delicious irony that Deborah is celebrating. I'm not entirely sure what to make of that and exactly how that fits. So you guys all ask Pastor Daniel that one. Um, (laughs) But this one, I think, primarily is letting Habakkuk know the judgment on... Ba- if Habakkuk's concern is, are you letting them go lightly? No, no, I'm not. Let me give you the picture of what a byword and what a reproach will fall upon them. And that's what Habakkuk's taunt is doing. But there's some taunts that I... Yeah. I, I'd love to sit down and chat with Pastor Daniel about Deborah's song because I, I got questions about it, but... You raise an excellent point, and that's my punting of an answer. Um, yeah, I punted. Okay, God bless, speed. God day.